Welcome everybody to episode number 27 of Talkin' Schmodown. I am Josh the Merc Rainer, editor-in-chief of Merc of the Movie Blog, and I am here to talk about this current week in the Schmodown. We have some crazy stuff that went down this week, uh, some great matches as well. Uh, so I'm going to hop right into it. The first thing I want to talk about is a little bit of news that took place. Robert Meyer Burnett will apparently continue his reign until the end of the month. This came uh, f- straight from Christian uh, via Collider Live. He said that uh, Burnett will continue until the end of the month. Uh, we do get to see uh, some of the things that he is uh, kind of leading towards, some of the things that he is planning uh, in, in, in uh, this week during some of the episodes. So, uh, we also got a, uh, a very, let's say, powerful special uh, on the YouTube channel. It was the Shire Wolves special. Um, this, I, I gotta say, I got really emotional watching this. Um, they they announced, essentially what it is, is the Shire Wolves announced that their ma- upcoming match with Corruption on uh, August 22nd will be their last. Win or lose, this will be their last match. Uh, Clark will be retiring from uh, competition, but she does want to continue in the Schmodown, uh, but she will be on the desk, uh, not as a player. Rachel is uh, retiring as well from all divisions. Um, she put out a, a very touching letter, Rachel did, to all the fans. Uh, it's over on TriviaSD.com. It's, uh, it's an open letter to the fans. Uh, she talks about her leaving, her reasons for it, and everything. Uh, it, it, if you haven't gone and read this yet, I highly recommend it. It is a very touching piece. It really details everything that she kind of, you know, she talked a little bit about it during the special, but she really dives deeper into it uh, during in, in this in this letter that she wrote. So I highly recommend you guys checking it out. It was it, it was it was a great piece. Um, and it really, it really gives you everything you need to know about why she, uh, she has decided this. You know, it's the game has really evolved. Uh, you know, I've been watching since season three, um, since you know they were over with Collider and everything. Uh, I went back and watched some of their old stuff from you know the uh, from the original from seasons one and two. But I started with that John Campia Dan Merle match. You know, so you know. You know, just looking at it, even just from that point, this game has changed immensely, and it has you know become harder for people to just kind of come off the street and and just do extremely well without tons and tons of studying and and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, it makes sense. It's become a lot more elite. And uh, you know what? That's kind of what you want to see. You know, you want to see people at their best. And if she doesn't think that she can, she can do that. Which you know, she has she has a full time job. She 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 does a lot of other things. You know, so if you can't commit to it, you know, I, I get it. It makes sense. You don't want to kill yourself uh, for a trivia game. You know, so uh, I totally get that. And I, I'm I'm crushed to hear that uh, the the two of them aren't going to be competing anymore. 
Um, uh, I'm glad that Clark will still be around. I'm very sad that we probably won't really see much of Rachel anymore. Uh, maybe like an exhibition match. You know, Jason Inman, uh, uh, he pretty much retired, but we did get to see him in that uh, Star Trek exhibition match, which you guys can go and watch over on the Patreon right now. Um, so stuff like that, you know, I'm sure we'll get to see her in occasionally. Like if they do um, like a... Harry Potter or Middle Earth uh, exhibition match. I'm sure she'll be back for something like that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I was I was really bummed about this. So, but getting into the matches, uh, we started off the, the week with a double a Schmodown double header: uh, Scream Queens versus Shazam, which is uh, William Bibiani and uh, Brendan the Kid Meyer. Uh, and also Brandon Hanna versus Emily Rose Jacobson in an inner geekdom match. Uh, that was the first video, so we're going to hop right into that one. Uh, match number one for that video was Brandon Hanna versus Emily Rose Jacobson in an inner geekdom match. We had uh, Mark Ellis and Danielle Radford on the desk. I love seeing Danielle on the desk. She just brings such uh, great energy. She has, you know, such amazing chemistry with with the guys uh, especially with Ellis and just seeing her up there she really knows how to handle her handle herself on the desk and uh, yeah I, I love it and I hope that they continue to bring her back uh, so Emily Rose came out first she was dressed as spider Gwen, which I thought was awesome she looked fantastic in the outfit uh, and then Brandon Hanna came out with his hit list uh, he had the other three from the from the uh, the four-way that he was in crossed off and uh, he had her name on there ready to, to be uh, crossed off his list so we get into round number one out of a 10 question round I gotta say Brandon Hannah really impressed me uh, in this round he only missed one question. He got nine out of ten correct. That's that's fantastic. You know that's elite level right there. Emily Rose uh, unfortunately did not do uh, quite as well as I'm sure she was hoping she would do. Um, she only got five out of ten. Um, the, she she missed like her last four questions. It was really rough. Uh, she had a little spot, you know, toward the beginning as well, but that back half was really rough for her. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know if it's just some blank spots in her in her studying where she has to really kind of kick it up a notch uh, to be in a league like this or what it was, but yeah, it, it was it was like she was doing pretty good. She was she was only a point behind Brandon, you know, going into into question number seven, and then from seven on, she just. Just kept missing them, unfortunately. Uh, I actually got eight out of ten. I was really proud of myself. You know, I love. I think inner geekdom is probably one of the areas where I would do a little bit better um, because it's a little bit more focused on the things that I tend to like more. But uh, uh, anytime, like I always try to keep track of what how well I do, especially in round one, because it's easier to do that. Um, and yeah, I actually got eight out of ten. I was very proud of myself for that one. Uh, so round one ended nine to five in uh, favor of Brandon Hanna. Like I said, he did he did great. Um, I'm sure he was kind of kicking himself about missing that one question because he would have been able to get that perfect round. But hey, man, nine nine points is nothing to sneeze at. So we get into round number two. Brandon spins Middle Earth, decides to stay with it, 
and he does really well in this. He only missed one question. He went to multiple choice, wasn't able to get it, but luckily for him, Emily was not able to capitalize on that steal either. Uh, he gets... Uh, 8 out of 10 total points, so he hits the 2 points on each of his other 4 questions, ending his portion of round 2, 17 to 5. This guy is... You can tell that he really learned a lot from being uh, Ben Bateman's uh, like protege, intern, whatever he, he actually was. You know, he, he he really knows his stuff. He knows how to play the game. Uh, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a force to reckon with. I really do. I think it's gonna be him. It's gonna be Kevin Smets. You know, you're gonna these these rookies are gonna really be. Uh, ta- you know, they're they're gonna be putting the league on notice. You know. So then Emily goes up. She spins Star Trek, and surprisingly, like she gives it some thought. Surprisingly, she stays with it. I was. I didn't think it was gonna happen. And she does okay uh, during this round. She gets four out of five questions correct. She only winds up getting six total points. She had to go to mul- multiple choice a few times. And she did allow Brandon to get uh, a one-point steal on her final question. Uh, ending round two, 18 to 11 in favor of Brandon Hanna. So she went from a four-point deficit at the end of round one to a seven point deficit at the end of round two and that's the thing with a guy like Brandon Hanna you can't you can't give him an inch you know you gotta hit those you gotta hit those two points on your questions you can't let let him get the steal because you know it's especially if you're already behind because he's just he's he's gonna get you he's gonna attack he's gonna he's gonna pounce on any opportunity that he gets and unfortunately for Emily that that's exactly what happened here so we get into round three. Uh, Emily goes on to answer her two and five point questions, misses her uh, three pointer, but doing so tied up the game 18 to 18, forcing Brandon Hanna to uh, actually have to answer a question, meaning that uh, the TKO was off the table. So, you know, she did, she you know she did pretty good here. Uh, it would obviously would have been much better if she had been able to get all three of her questions. Um, he would have been forced to at minimum answer his three point question. And hey, you never know. Maybe he would have missed both his both his three and his five, and she would have won. You never know. You know anything can happen in the showdown. I've seen some crazy stuff go down. I've seen you know some of the best players miss all three of their round three questions, and so you never know what's gonna happen. But she fought. She, you know, she didn't give up. She stayed in the game, and she prevented that TKO from happening. Unfortunately for her, uh, Brandon was able to get his two-pointer, ending the game 20 to 18. Uh, Brandon, the Hitman Hannah, has won this match. Uh, he crosses another target off his list. Uh, but you know, she made him work for it. You know, she didn't just hand over that TKO. She, she really made him work for it. Made him. You know, go into round three and actually answer a question. So it shows that I, I do think she she belongs in this league. I do think that she has a future in this league. I think she just needs a bit more uh, study practices. I think she really just needs to kind of buckle down for it if she really wants to have a future in the league. We then get a mid credit scene with uh, John Roca talking to somebody who's off screen about joining the Horsemen. He says that, you know, 
they've got four. They need a fifth. You know, obviously he's not counting Dagnino as their fifth. And I don't really think anybody really counted Dagnino as the fifth. Um, he's just kind of like a, you know, he's like a manager. It's like the 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 horsemen in the four horsemen in uh, in wrestling. You know, they had a manager as well. You know, there were the five of them, but they you know one of them was a manager. It's the same situation. So when the camera finally pans over to who the person is, it's none other than the winner of this match, Brandon the Hitman Hannah. Brandon Hannah is now the fifth horseman. We've got John Roca, Dan Merle, Mark Riley, Ben Bateman, Brandon Hannah. This is a stacked team right here. Two solid teams with founding fathers and who's the boss. All five of them are are just in general great competitors. You know, you've like the other four are solid in the singles, and then you got Brandon Hanna with the inner geek, really rounding it out with the inner geekdom stuff. You know, I I really think this, I I really think that the Horsemen are on a trajectory to really stand out uh, more so than than they ever have. So I'm pretty pumped to see where it goes. So let me get into match number two. It's Scream Queens, which is Haley Fouch and Kaylin Corrigan versus Shazam, uh, William Bibiani and Brendan Meyer. Uh, this time we have Ken Knapsack and Mark Ellis on the desk. Uh, I gotta say, during the uh, like the opening um, kind of intro promos that they do, I really love the energy that uh, and enthusiasm that Bibbs and the kid kind of brought to it. Uh, I, I feel like that they're I feel like they're perfect together. It's like kismet, you know. They're their two attitudes mesh so well, and they bring a joy that I feel like was kind of missing in this game. You know, they said it themselves during during uh, one of the interviews. It was either during the opening promo or the exit interview. Maybe they said it during both. Um, but that the, you know, there's a lot of heels in this game, uh, in this league, uh, and, and it's it's nice to see some some just a true baby faces come out of this and really kind of brighten up the energy of everything. And I mean, the Scream Queens are, are definitely faces as well, um, but it, it's more about that energy that Bibbs and the kid bring to it. It's really infectious, you, you know, you, you can't help but like these two together. Uh, so Shazam, they come out first with a bolt of lightning. That they appear just like Shazam. It was, it was pretty awesome. Uh, and then out comes the Scream Queens in uh, little like Godzilla onesies uh, with uh, you know uh, like lasers shooting out of their mouths. It was a very heavy CGI opening for both. It was, was kind of awesome to see. You don't actually get that very often. Because I'm sure, you know, that kind of stuff costs money or whatever, and it takes time to do. Um, but it was really cool to see. I really enjoyed it. So we get into round number one. Uh, right off the right off the bat, the first question had to do with movie Sudden Death from like 1995. And I was like, really? The first question in round one is a sudden death question i was like wow they're they're, they're going there i was, it, it really kind of took me aback i was shocked um and then uh, something i wanted to kind of kind of talk a little bit about question number two uh the answer was robert downey jr 
and Kaylin put RDJ. She said she, you know, she was running out of time, so she she threw down RDJ. First off, she probably should have used a, a JTE rule uh, in order to give herself some time to get that written down, because obviously she knew the answer. Um, but secondly, they did not give her the point because they said you know they needed you know Robert Downey Jr. Part of me wants to disagree with this um, this this ruling, I guess. I mean, they didn't challenge it or anything, but with this call. Because it's not like you have someone like, you know, Samuel L. Jackson and she wrote SLJ. You know, that, that's, not, that's not the case here. Robert Downey Jr., like, he is commonly referred to as RDJ. Uh, you know, people call him that all the time. So part of me thinks that that should have been allowed. Because that he RDJ is as synonymous as Robert Downey Jr. with you know as his actual name, so I really part of me really like I, it's not something I would fight on. It's it's not it's it's not like the uh, Andrew Guy at Houston situation that I'm still a little peeved about Christian, <laughs> but you know th- this is something you know, I'm not going to die on this molehill for it. But it, it, it's definitely something I think that if if it had been challenged. I would hope that they would come to the decision that it it is acceptable because, like I said, he is referred to as that. You know, like the RDJ is something that he, he is called. Like my name, like I'm jo- Joshua Paul Rayner. That is, that is my name, but nobody calls me JPR. That's just weird, you know. But people call him RDJ all the time, and so like I said, I feel like that's synonymous enough and should have counted. Um, so then we just we kind of go through everything. We get down to that final question, okay? Uh, at this point, the final question, uh, Kaylin's got five points. Um, Brendan has seven points, and, or yeah, uh, yeah, because they 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 get those things. Um, so Brendan has seven. Um, Haley, if she had answered this final question correctly. She would have had a perfect round with Bibbs. Bibbs ended up getting a perfect round because he got it right. However, the whole thing about it is, is that she didn't. She ran out of time, and she was trying to write down American Beauty. But she should have used a JTE rule here. I'm like, oh my goodness, you knew the answer. Oh, you should have used it, because then she would have gotten that that bonus question. Whether she would have gotten it right or not, I don't know. Um, whether it would have truly helped them out in the end, I don't know. But, you know, she would have had that perfect round. I was, oh, man, I was really, I was really sad to see that happen. You know, I was like, come on, yeah, let's, I, I, I love it when you get to see two competitors get the perfect round. I, I don't know. It's just something I really dig, especially when they're, like, competitors that you like. You know, you really want the people who you're rooting for, the people that you like, you want to see them do really well. So, like, I love seeing Bibbs get that perfect round, but I would really also love to see Haley get it as well. Uh, so, round one ends 12 to 15 in favor of Shazam. Uh, Bibbs did not get that bonus question, unfortunately, but you know, it happens. There's still three points ahead at the end of round one. Alright, we get into round number two. Uh, Shazam defers over to Scream Queens, and Scream Queens uh, spins directors, and they decide to stick with that one. It is one of one of their strengths, so it's not surprising that they uh, 
had, you know, that they decided to go with that one. And they did pretty well during this. They answered all six of their questions, uh, getting eight out of a possible 12 points. They did have to go to multiple choice four out of six times. So it's like, I, you know, they got all the questions right, but they weren't able to capitalize on the amount of points that they really probably needed for this. Um, they and they ended their portion around two. You know, they were in the lead at least, so it was 20 to 15. They had a five-point lead. But when you have a team with someone like a William Bibiani, and I mean the kid has really proven himself as well. You want to have. Uh, you definitely, especially when they have six questions, you want to be f- way more than five points ahead. Um, and we see that happen here when uh, Shazam goes and answers all of their questions for 11 total points. They only have to go to multiple choice once uh, in round two. And, I mean, and they, they wound up getting two thousands and that's one of those categories it's like it's so weird and broad and and, and the two thousands it's like I, I i feel like a lot of times you, there's a lot of junk in, in that decade you know and they were able to just crush it and ending ending round two 20 to 26 you know a six point lead ahead of uh of scream queens you know so i mean that that was that, that was something wild to watch, you know. They 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 did fantastic. Their their chemistry together is just something else, man. So we get into round number three, and unfortunately for the Scream Queens, neither of them are able to capitalize uh, on their questions. They miss both their two and three point questions, uh, and because of that, Shazam wins via TKO, twenty to twenty six. Um, that second question, I think it was Kaylin who had it. I actually figured out the answer based solely on the on the name of the movie that they were talking about. Uh, the question was something like, "What? Um, okay, the the Leslie Nielsen movie, Wrongfully Accused, was based on what uh, '90s popular, like popular '90s film or whatever? Something like that." I'm just paraphrasing. Um, and I'm sitting there, I'm like thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm like, I've never seen this movie. I have no idea what it's about. I'm like, okay, what what could it be about? You know, what 90s movie could it be about? Leslie Nielsen type movies, okay, what? And I'm thinking about, I'm like, okay, wrongfully accused, wrongfully accused. That's got to, you know, kind of, it's got to link into it. Like, what movie in the 90s is about somebody who's wrongfully accused? And the first thing that pops in my head, I'm like, it's got to be The Fugitive, right? And sure enough, the fugitive was the answer, you know. So it's like, just kind of working it out that way helped. I don't know if if she just didn't think about it like that or what. She blew through all the JTE rules, was not able to get it, unfortunately. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, you can only you only know what you know, really. Um, during the Scream Queens interview at the end, uh, William Bibiani and Brendan Meyer came out, offered them some cookies, which I thought was kind of fun. But they also gave them the option to choose the mystery box. Uh, I really hope this is something that they continue to do because it was pretty funny. Um, so th- obviously they chose the mystery box, and in it was a 12-inch Jonah Hex figure signed by Josh Brolin, who played him in the film. I thought that was really cool. I think that's a pretty sweet get right there, man. Uh, I would totally uh, put that up in my house. Just kind of have it sitting on a shelf. That would be a pretty sweet piece, man. 
So now we get into the final match of today, and that is David Del Rio versus Paul Preston. And this was a singles tournament qualifier match. So the winner of this would go on to be in the singles tournament. However, we did learn that uh, David Del Rio said that uh, he would not be available for the tournament so that if he won, he would give up his spot to someone else other than Paul Preston. So we get an opening scene. Robert Meyer Burnett addresses the audience. He declares that if the Shire Wolves win, the vacated titles will be up for grabs during the team tournaments. Uh, which take place, I believe, in November. So, you know, if the Shire Wolves get it, they obviously, that's their last match. They'll be vacating the titles. And it, instead of the winner of the of the tournament being a, you know, getting a number one sh- uh, the contender shot or whatever at the titles, the, the, the tournament is going to be for the titles, if that's the case. So we will find out later this week if that's what's going to happen. Uh, we have Mark Ellis and Daniel Radford back at the desk. This must have this had to have been filmed on the same day as the Brandon Hanna uh, Emily Rose Jacobson match. They probably did them back to back because they're definitely wearing the same shirts. Uh, Danielle has that like bird shirt on that I noticed, and like that like, sleeveless bird shirt, which just kind of stuck out to me during that first match. So when I saw it again, I was like, "Hey, they, this must have been filmed." At the same time, like during the same day, and I know that they do that. They they'll film a bunch back to back, whatever, to kind of knock them out, which makes sense. But I just thought it was kind of funny to to, to see that. Um, so we kind of get into things. They're they're coming out. They're doing their promos. Paul is hilarious, man. Holy shit, this dude, he is so funny. I love this guy. He's fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, I I don't know if there's a competitor. Outside of like maybe the wild berries, just because how crazy they are, who's who's really funnier than this guy? I I don't know. I really love his uh, his whole thing. Uh, but and David Del Rio, he really kind of like upped his character game in, during the, this match as well. I think he's finally kind of understanding the way the Schmodown works and everything. Uh, and as an actor, you know, it, it comes naturally to him. It should, you know. But figuring out how it all kind of works. And then being able to use those skills that he has honed in it, I, I really think has, has helped him out because I really dug what he was bringing. So out first was Paul Preston. He he had Mac and Me written on his whiteboard, which I thought was hilarious because anytime someone mentions the movie Mac and Me, the only thing that pops into my mind is, is the whole thing with Paul Rudd on Conan O'Brien. If you don't know, for years... Paul Rudd has been going on the Conan O'Brien show, uh, you know, whenever he has like a new movie out, and claiming that he, you know, brought a clip of the movie with him, and instead he plays a, the very the same clip every single time from the movie Mac and Me. Uh, if you don't know what Mac and Me is, uh, it's kind of like uh, I don't know if it came before. Or after the movie E.T., but it's kind of like a uh, B, like a it's it's a shittier version of E.T. Really, I mean, um, if you haven't seen it, give it give it a watch. You may uh, you may get some laughs out of it. Um, but yeah, so him putting Mac and me on there, that really that really kind of made me made me laugh out loud. I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, then Del Rio came out next, came out through the crowd, shaking everybody's hands. Uh, and then we get into round number one. And 
Del Rio had a solid round here. He got all of his questions right, perfect round, uh, and he got his bonus question as well. Paul, on the other hand, he had a kind of a rough round here. He only got five uh, out of the eight points. A little, you know, it was a little rough for him. He had, he had a rough start. Uh, so round one ends nine to five. Like I said, man, like I, I really like Paul, um, but man, that was a rough round for him. So we get into round number two. Del Rio spins famous actors and actresses and stays. I feel, I don't know if this is accurate. You'd have to ask like Frank Janish or something. But I feel like he has landed on that uh, slice before and kept it. It seems like that's kind of something that he likes to go with. And, you know, he, you know, he is an actor, so I feel like, I don't know if he feels almost obligated to choose uh, famous actors and actors are like to stick with it when he does land on it um, but I, I, I don't know maybe he's he just confident enough for, for it but unfortunately for him this did not work out very well he only got one of his four questions correct for two points and he allowed uh, Paul Preston to steal five total points uh, out of all three of those misses oh oof this was a rough, rough round for Del Rio. Paul snagged five points in steals. And I really want to know. Uh, I, I hope that Janish uh, uh, posts something about it. I want to know if this is a record of some sort. Because five points in steals, that's a lot. Holy shit, man. That's crazy. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. If someone else has done that, bravo to them. But that was impressive to me. So we ended the round, that portion of the round, 11 to 10. Del Rio only has a one-point lead with Paul still having uh, to go. So he goes up, he spins uh, Oscar movies and keeps. And if you guys haven't been keeping track, out of the three matches, out of the six spins of the wheel, nobody used their respin. They, all of them, from all three matches kept what they landed on in the first spin. I don't know if I've ever seen that, if I've ever had that happen in a week, where everybody, had, you know, just keeps, every, nobody respins. It was really weird. Um, it was weird having it happen in the in that first video with the two matches, but then to have it happen in the third match as well, I, I don't know if it's ever happened before, but it, it was kind of weird to see. Uh, but anyways, um Paul winds up getting three out of his four questions for six points. He missed one, uh, and after going multiple choice, he wasn't able to grab it. But luckily for him, neither was Del Rio. Uh, he, he, he was not able to capitalize on the one-point steal uh, of, you know, for himself, unfortunately. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, question, Paul's fourth question, um, it said, How many Oscars did Shape of Water win? Uh, and the answer was four. And I gotta say, that was probably the most tense question and answer I have seen in a while, because obviously, uh, Paul, he, he he obviously didn't want to go to multiple choice because I mean, it you're just looking for a number, you know, and all it's gonna do is just give you some numbers, and. He had, I feel like he had a big enough lead where he probably felt comfortable enough not going to multiple choice, even though it was kind of dangerous because 
theoretically, Del Rio, you know, if he'd gotten it wrong, Del Rio could have jumped on it and nabbed a two points, a big two point steal. But after a little bit of of thinking about it, he puts out, you know, he's a little hesitant, a little unsure of himself. He says four, and boom, nails it. It was super tense. It's funny because, like, I said four as well, but I was just throwing a guess out there. I had no idea. And after I heard heard him say four, I was like, well, let's see if we're both right. And I could not believe that uh, that, that that we got the answer right. I thought it was, that, that was just wild to me. So we end round two, 11-16 in favor of Paul Preston. Paul went from a four-point deficit after round number one to a five-point lead after round number two. This is the most impressive turnaround I have ever, that I can remember. I mean, there may be a more impressive one, but this is the most impressive one that I can uh, remember. And this match probably won't go down in history as like a great match, but it had... Like I said, this turnaround, the, the the all the steals in round two, um, that crazy tense uh, answer for for Paul's fourth question. I mean, this. I mean, if you break it down and look at all that kind of stuff, I feel like this could be a, a contender for 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 best match. It probably won't be. But when you look at it that way, I feel like it should be in the in the talks, you know, because it was a, it was a great a great match. It had a lot of great stuff go down. So when we get into round number three, uh, one thing I wanted to kind of point out, it's kind of weird, it's more just like a personal thing. Uh, Paul picked the numbers 3, 7, and 12, which is very close to the numbers that I always say that if I, you know, had the opportunity to be in the Schmodown, which I'm, you know, which probably never happened, which is fine. But if I ever had that opportunity, these are the three numbers that I would pick, and those three numbers uh, have always been 3, 7, and 13. And the fact that he, you know, 3, 7, and 12 was very close to what I, I was like, wow, that's that's kind of awesome. Uh, it was like almost on the same, wave, same wavelength there. I thought that was pretty cool. So then we, uh, like I said, we get into round number three. Del Rio has to, you know, answer both his uh, two and three pointers before Paul can go. He does that. He's able to, to get that, forcing Paul to answer his two-pointer, which he does. Uh, but unfortunately for Del Rio, he's unable to get his five-pointer. And Paul Preston wins the match uh, and will enter the singles tournament. Uh, final score, 16-18 to 18 in favor of Paul Preston. Man, you know, Jay-Z says, don't call it a comeback. Uh, this was a hell of a comeback, though. You know, from being behind four points, having a rough first round, to taking it, you know, to, to win in this thing, man, and only having to answer one of your round three questions, man, that is a hell of a turnaround. And again, I really think that, I really think it should be in, in the talks for uh, best match of the year. I, I really do. I'm not saying it should win, but I definitely think, you know, it should be in the talks for a nomination. Uh, I really do like David Del Rio. You know, he's a nice guy. He's a great player. Um, but I'm kind of glad he didn't win um, because he can't be in the tournament, you know. And and I'd rather the person who wins actually be able to be there. Like, I understand, you know, he would have allowed somebody else. But that somebody else wouldn't have earned the slot, you know what I mean? Paul Preston earned his slot in the, in, in the tournament. So I'm actually really happy that he won. Plus, I really like Paul. 
Uh, I I think I've you know ever since his first match, you know, and I found out me and him went to the same school, so I've been kind of like almost like invested in his future in the showdown. You know, watching him closely, seeing how he's been doing, and I've been super impressed. He's been doing extremely well, uh, and I'm really happy to see him going into the uh, singles tournament. Um, Emma. You know, she's talking to Paul. She she dubs him Paul the Pilferer Preston. I thought that was pretty funny. Obviously, that's not going to stick. He's he's the powder keg, and I, and I dig that. But Paul the Pilferer Preston, because he stole all those points. Uh, then we got an ending scene. Robert Meyer Burnett, uh, once again, uh, he's looking around in the back. He opens up like this this like shelving unit thing to, to, to find none other than little Mara Kanabe crammed in the bottom on the bottom shelf. I was like, what the fuck is going on right here? What is happening? It reminded me a lot when I used to work at, uh, at a mo- I used to work in a movie theater and we had this, uh, one of the employees that I worked with, she was a real small petite girl. Um, and we, we used to always, uh, she used to always just like kind of cram herself in the place to see if she could fit. And so we had this cooler uh, where, like, all the bottled drinks and stuff were kept. But, like, the bottom shelf we kept empty. Um, and so one day she just she, she was looking at it and she's like, I think I can fit inside of there. So we opened up the door and sure enough, she was able to cram herself into the bottom shelf of a cooler. We were able to shut the door. It's like, this is the weirdest thing ever. So seeing Mara in the bottom of that shelving unit just like flashed me back to that. It was really, really funny. Uh, so like I said, you know, he finds her crammed in the bottom of the shelving unit. He, you know, he wants help destroying corruption, but she really doesn't care about that. She just wants her title rematch. Um, so maybe we'll be able, maybe they'll be able to work something out. You know, she wants a title match against Mike Kalinowski. He's part of corruption. Burnett wants to take down corruption. I could see their interests aligning temporarily for something like this. So maybe we, maybe we'll see something something happen. I don't know. Uh, I I I love Mara. I'm so glad that she's back. She has such she has like this just weird sense of humor that I just absolutely love. And uh, I'm like again, I'm just thrilled to see her back. Uh, and really, that that about wraps everything up. All three matches, man. There was some great stuff that went down. That final match, I I gotta say, that was my favorite of the night. That uh, of this uh, episode, I I really I really dug it. And and I hope you guys did too. Let me know. Hop on social media uh, at movieblogmerk over on Twitter. Let me know what did you guys think of uh, of these matches. Which one was your favorite? Um, also, just so you know, we are now on Anchor. So you can go over to anchor.fm slash movieblogmerk and you can actually leave a uh, video uh, or an audio message. You can like call with, with, with an audio message and leave it for us. Uh, and you can ask a question, comment, something like that. And you know, I, I'll be more than happy if I get some calls. I'll put them in the podcast. You know, if you got a question, if you got uh, a comment or something like that, leave me a, a, a voice message, and I'll be more than happy to uh, put that into the uh, into the podcast next time. 
Uh, so coming up next week, we have uh, this coming Thursday is actually live will be the Shire Wolves final match on August 22nd. Uh, they'll be going up against Corruption, and we will also I'll also be talking about uh, the Sean Drew versus Jared Habon inner geekdom match, which uh, I don't know if it's up quite yet, but it uh, goes up today for the two dollar up patrons, and will be available for everybody on YouTube on th- uh, Thursday uh, as well. Uh, Jared, uh, the winner of Sean Drew versus Jared Habon will go uh, up against Brandon Hanna. Uh, and then also this coming Friday is Ben Bateman versus Mike Kalinowski. Winner will play Jeff Snyder in a number one contender match. And then coming up later on throughout the rest of the season, we've got uh, August 30th, the Ultimate Schmodown Singles Tournament begins. Uh, then the following day, August 31st, is the New York Live Show. We have Haley Fouch versus Ethan Irwin. Paul Oyama will defend his title against either Ben, Mike, or Jeff. Uh, then uh, September 14th is the live show in Tempe, Arizona. October 19th is the live show in Orlando, Florida. Orlando! For those of you who are uh, Collider Live fans, also make sure to be checking out our other podcast, After Live, if you are Collider Live fans. Uh, then in November, we have uh, the Ultimate Schmodown Teams Tournament will begin. And in December, we will cap off the year with the Schmodown Spectacular. It will be a fantastic rest of this magic season. I am so, so excited. So once again, thank you everybody for uh, joining me, for you know listening to me ramble about uh, the Schmodown, something that I absolutely love. And like I said before, you guys can follow me on social media. I am on Facebook and YouTube at Merc with a Movie Blog, and I am on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Blog Merc. That's Movie Blog uh, M E R C Merc. So be sure to follow me on uh, all those platforms, and you can check out the podcast network on all the major platforms. Uh, like I said, we just moved over to Anchor, uh, so we're on Anchor. We're on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, now I think we're on uh, Overcast, I believe, and Radio Public as well. Uh, so check it out there. And uh, yeah, like I said, leave uh, a voice message for, for us on any of the podcasts. You can check out Talking Schmodown. You can t- check out After Live, which is the Collider Live After Show. Or you can check out Go Get That Rose, which is a uh, Bachelor Nation podcast hosted by a couple of the After Live hosts. So be sure to check out all of that. Hit me up on social media with any questions, comments, or concerns. And I will be back next week to talk about uh, the Shire Wolves final match and some amazing stuff going on. So as I always say, we have been talking Schmodown. See you next week.